Welcome back to the Leverage Podcast. This is Nick Sonnenberg. I'm solo today, but we are here with our friend, serial entrepreneur, founder of Peach Media, and founder of a new company. Uh, what is it called, Dave? It's called Prop Fuel. Prop hey, hey, Nick, how are you? You're not quite solo. I'm here with you, brother. Uh, you know, usually I have my sidekick with me, you know, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm excited to catch up with you. We always have a fun time together and it's been a while, so... Yeah. Yeah. It's usually in person, actually. We don't, we don't, uh, and we don't do these uh, Skypes or Zooms very often. We're either jumping out of a tower at a, an army base or getting a foot massage. A foot massage. I knew you were going to say that one. <laughs> I miss Jenny. Yeah. You're always sending me great, uh, great texts from your office uh, with Jenny working on your feet. Yeah. I know. I'm still trying to take as much advantage as possible having the entrepreneur life. So That'd be a great service, by the way, for a small business living in the city to hire Jenny to come out once a month to to give people foot massages. Well, I mean, since she's literally one block away from me, I I went there yesterday and I just coded while she was working on my foot. Brilliant. Anyways, how's it going, Dave? It's going great. So what? Tell, tell me about this new venture because I I, on, I I don't know anything about it. I know about Peach, but I'm curious to know what you're up to. Yeah, so it's it, the company's called Prop Fuel. It's a software company focused on creating in a, in a great cultures in small businesses. It's it's designed to be inexpensive and a really effective way to create an awesome culture uh, in the way that it, it stems from this foundation of feeling fulfilled at work. And right now, there's a lot of great tools out there, but there's a few flaws in them. They require people to go out to the tool and enter in some information if they want to give somebody some recognition. But the other thing that that a lot of them are doing right now is they're dangling carrots. You know, they have points or they have like bonus league gives away um, uh, bonus money or, or credits essentially. And they have rewards for good behavior. Well, it's really not much different than offering somebody more money for doing a good job, which has been proven over and over that extrinsic dangling carrots don't improve performance or productivity. So we're taking on a different mentality, creating this more intrinsic perspective to motivation. So anyway, that's, that's the basis of PropFuel. It's designed to be a very inexpensive tool for small businesses to build a great culture. That's really interesting, actually, because this has been a, a, a hot topic within our company as well, as we've grown it to 60 plus people, figuring out ways to incentivize people, motivate people and build a team culture have proven to be um, a complicated problem to solve. And it's well, yeah, Dan, I think it's Dan Pink, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be mistaken. I'm going to look this up before we leave. I think Dan Pink has a video um, how to, it's, it's a whiteboard drawing video put on by RSA and it's, uh, it's what motivates people because the, the, and I already alluded to this, but the, the traditional perspective is that people are motivated by money. You know, you give people a little extra, you dangle a big bonus in front of them and they're to perform better. But what, uh, Dan points out is there's, uh, other variables that are a little more intrinsic that lead to better performance. In fact, it's another stat out there shows that companies with a strong culture. Now, how you define a strong culture, I don't know, but those companies have a 31% lower voluntary turnover and 14% better productivity in the customer service. So again, I'm not quite sure how these stats are measured. It was done by, let me see here, 
Bersin.com. It's a research company, B-E-R-S-I-N. But these are some numbers that they put out there about culture. One of the biggest challenges culture evangelists like myself have to deal with is how do you take culture and and quantify it? How do you bring the value to the bottom line? So as a founder, it's really easy. I love coming to work every day and seeing people actually have some sense of fulfillment or seeing people talk to their clients with a smile on their face. And it's a sincere smile where people truly believe in what they're doing. It's not to say there's never any challenges, but that's what I get out of it as a founder. And it also happens that it creates great value in the company. But if you're a private equity-owned firm or a VC-owned firm, you have to sometimes be convinced that there's value to building a strong culture. And it's very hard to do that quantitatively. We've been playing around with different bonus incentives, you know, people to work more hours. Like we're in a tricky situation because everyone's a contractor and we don't tell them what hours to work or even what tasks to work on. It's kind of a new way of thinking. Like we have no employees. So it's really, they can work on whatever they want, whenever they want. So figuring out ways to incentivize them to work more and do more, you know, we play around with bonuses. It's really tricky. For sure, the more that you pay, you don't necessarily get more hours or better performance. And there's that taxi cab paradox, like where, you know, taxi drivers, a lot of them go out in the morning with the mindset of making $100. And once they hit it, they stop. So if you raise the hourly rate, they'll just stop earlier in a lot of cases. So it's tricky. One thing that's that we've at least seen is since we give the recognition on a team huddle, who wins a weekly bonus, that recognition among peers is a big thing. Um, also, also uh, the more bonuses they get, they can move up in rankings. And then apart from getting higher salaries, they also get to come to some retreats that we do to to work directly with me and Ari, which is a bit of an incentive, but it's extremely tricky. Nick, I guarantee the money you're giving them is not the driver. Yeah. The, the, the driver is that recognition each week. Mm-hmm. The driver could also be working with you and Ari every week because it's nice to, to be hand in hand with the founder of the company. That's one thing it took me a really long time to acknowledge or to learn. You have to have a little bit of an ego to acknowledge this, that when you start a company, the people that work for you, regardless of the size, actually, they, they look up to you. You're a leader by default. And there's this desire to communicate and interact with the leader. So that right there is a lot more valuable in my experience than giving people more money for their behavior. By the way, I found this. It's RSA Animate Drive, the surprising truth truth about what motivates us. So if you go to YouTube, you'll see that. It's a, uh, it's a fairly short video with 15 million views but it's a great video on what motivates people, which is what we're talking about right now. We'll add that to the show notes. Um, So is yours a standalone software or is it going to be like a Slack bot or some type of Slack integration? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's a, it's, it's a platform. So it resides in is essentially up in the cloud, but there's lots of access points. One of the differentiators here, I think in our platform is that it's going to live where the employees live. So it's going to live where, where people are actually doing the work, whether that's in Slack, whether that's in email, whether that's in Gmail or, or, or Chrome with extensions, or whether it's 
um, uh, in your calendar. So imagine walking out of a meeting at, well, we have a certain meeting this morning and we walk out of this meeting and when we're done, it'll say, hey, you just had a meeting with Nick. Would you like to give Nick any props? And so right there, rather than me having to get back to my desk, pause what I'm doing, go out to this website to give you props, Nick. I'm going to go on my phone or pop up on my computer and uh, give you props right there. So the idea is that it's integrated into your day-to-day operations as opposed to being a separate entity. So that's, I think, one of the biggest selling points behind uh, Prop Fuel, which I'm really excited for. Yeah, we- By the way, people are looking to learn more about Prop Fuel. I would love to talk to you about being a beta tester. We don't have a site up. We're working on the software right now. We expect... Um, it, by the end of Q1 of 2017 to have our beta version available for testing. If you're interested in being a beta tester, I'd love you to send me an email. It's dave at propfuel.com. You should have our VA set you up with a landing page and MailChimp just to collect email addresses right now while you're pre-beta. Consider it done. Yeah, fact, that's a great, that's a great task. Together, this is a huge content marketing push because... Yeah. And Ari and I will personally love to be beta testers because this is a real problem that we would love to solve for ourselves. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Um, we we currently um, use a Slack bot called Growbot. Growbot. Yeah. yeah. Here's the problem with Growbot. I think it's a really cool tool, and I think they do a good job at prompting people. What I don't like, and this is just the preference. I don't think it's a major flaw. I just think it's a it's a preference thing. What I don't like about Growbot are the statistics on it. So statistics are important. Data is really important. But I don't want to create a competitive environment when it comes to helping people feel fulfilled in their job. When I give somebody a compliment, I want it to be acknowledged as a compliment. I don't want it to be a reward for necessarily for doing something well. My wife says every now and then, my wife says, um, uh, and I'm sure some of us have heard this that from our spouses or, or people that we live with that, that uh, they don't feel appreciated. So the question is, what makes them feel appreciated? Is it when you come home with a bouquet of flowers and say, you know, what, I got you this bouquet of flowers because dinner last night was so good? Or do you come home and say, you know what? I adore you. Every time I come home, you have this delicious dinner. And even when it's not delicious, at least you worked hard at it. So the question is, do you, do you want rewards for behavior? A lot of people would argue you do. But I think when it comes to recognition, what's really important, the most important thing is that it's a sincere compliment. And the person on the receiving end then can digest this compliment and again, it gives them this great sense of fulfillment, which is much more valuable than points or another dollar on their paycheck. And I know that's hard to believe that people prefer that sense of fulfillment over a dollar on their paycheck, but it's been proven over and over and over again that that's what motivates people. So going back to Growbot, Growbot, when, you, when, when you're in Slack, you see these numbers on it. You've given, in fact, they even call it giving props too, but you have 42 props and you've given X number of props. That's cool, but I'd rather see that on the back end. As a CEO or a founder of a company, I want to see who's getting props, who's not getting props, who's giving props and who's not giving props props. The people that are not getting props, is it because they work at home? Um, is it because nobody sees them, they have a thankless job? Or is it because they're a dick and nobody likes them? So th- this is the kind of information that you can quantify on the back end with this data, which is really important. Um, the other data point, I'm sorry for rambling on about this, but no, not at all. 
you've triggered her passion in me. The other data point that I think is really valuable is when you can assign tags associated with the values of your company. So if people start giving props and associate value tags, the tags, the values in your company, which is really the core behind culture. When somebody can assign value tags to a compliment, now you can start to see what values are your employees really associating themselves with and which values never show up. And so that might help you either redefine your values or emphasize the certain values that just never show up for one reason or another. That's really interesting, right? That's true. Growbot you just give like a general props, but it's not like a, you're not segmenting it and tagging it like, hey, Nick, you did a great job on customer service, plus one for customer service or plus one for creative thinking or something, right? So you can create these tags. And then apart from helping it redefine your company values, it might point in the right direction of who's skilled and what different skills. And maybe I should, maybe uh, at scale, like when I can't directly speak to, every person, if we ever have a thousand VAs, this could let me know, okay, this VA should be more client facing. This VA should be more behind the scenes because I can see from the props, how the peers are rating them on different skill sets. Yeah. Well, it it exposes you to the personality of the company. What's going on inside the company? You hear rumors, you talk to people about uh, who drives them nuts and who doesn't, but it's data like this that actually gives you some valuable information as a founder. But the, the reality is I don't believe the data is as valuable on the user side of things. Meaning I don't think the users, the, the data in, in, in the user view is really not a motivator for anyone. Look, there's, there's a bunch of layers to culture, though, that I think are important. So this, this is my soapbox. I, I just love culture. I think creating a culture is as important as finding the right product and the right product fit in a certain market. I think creating a culture is one of the key pillars in creating a successful company. It was the thing that certainly that led to creating great value in my last company, Peach, before we sold. Now, some of the layers, and and I don't have this well organized necessarily, but some of the layers that go into a culture, they start with a vision, mission, and values. And, and of course, that sounds nice, vision, mission, values. The vision is very clear. Here's something I learned about vision. Vision does not need to be the Steve Jobs or the Bill Gates kind of vision. That's this worldwide overarching vision. Vision could simply be, where do you want your company to be in three years? You know, it's a target. That's all vision is. It doesn't need to be life-changing. It just needs to be a, uh, a, uh, a goal that you're setting for yourself and for everybody else in your company so that you're all pointing in the same direction. Now, the mission, I don't really like that word mission. I like purpose or, or, or why. Simon Sinek has a great TED Talk, another one for your show notes, TED Talk called Start With Why. This is an older TED Talk. It's about 17 minutes long. Fantastic TED Talk on creating purpose for the employees in your company. So that's vision. That's the purpose or why or mission. Then you have your values. And the values are a key element to what help people make decisions. So I heard somebody describe, it was um, Brian Halligan, the CEO of HubSpot. He had a mentor that gave him this quote, that a culture, the definition of culture is how we make decisions when you're not there. How do they make decisions when the CEO or the founder isn't there? And so if you have a clear vision, 
and you have a clear purpose of why it is you're doing what you're doing and you have values as kind of the bumpers for how you behave well now you've got some good decisions being made by your employees and every single employee is likely to make as close to the right decision as you can but other layers are you know the the, the environment you work in the hiring methodologies the way you communicate with people the level of transparency the org chart too how it's organized is it a flat organization is it a yeah is it a hierarchical organization and it, and one other thing that before, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop talking in a second but one other thing is there really sincerely is no right answer you know people talk about having a flat organization having a transparent organization almost as though it's the right way but it really really depends on the organization Government uh, organizations cannot have the same culture as a startup organization. A law firm can't have the same culture as a software company. So there's there's different cultures that fit well for certain organizations. Ooh, and one other thing, the leader of the organization, whether it's the founder or simply the CEO, better fit that culture that you're proposing because without a leader that is actually living, breathing, and preaching that culture over and over and over and over again, including the purpose or your why. Why is it you're doing? Telling stories, not only to the employees, but to your, to your customers about why it is you do what you do every single day, then it's not going to stick. That's the joke around values. When, when these big corporations put their values up in this beautiful picture frame up around, or they give you these, these desk ornaments with the values, but nobody's actually giving them meaning for you. And it's just a joke. It means nothing. Yeah, I think that, there, like you said, there's no right answer. It's really, it depends on the business you're in and also the personalities and the culture of the top management and like what, what works for them. You know, like Ari and I have a certain certain personalities and certain views. And, you know, if you were to start a outsourcing company tomorrow, you would probably organize it in a completely different way. And it's just, you have to do it to what matches your personality, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? The the customers are actually going to be drawn to the culture of your company too. Whether for the better or for worse, you're going to get customers and clients that identify well with your personality. We always had people when 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 I had Peach, we always had our clients. <laughs> we used to call our employees Peaches, and somebody once said, "Isn't that kind of condescending?" And I couldn't emphasize how it's not enough. The employees, myself included, and uh, and even our customers, all just loved the idea of being a peach because of what we believed in and what it stood for. We had this thing a little bit cheesy, but we loved it. Once a peach, always a peach. You know, when you're, you were peach before you joined Peach New Media and you were peach after you joined Peach New Media, you might not have called yourself that in the past. You might not have called yourself that in the future. But what it means is that you're taking your personality, you're bringing it into the company, you're making the company a part of your personality, and that's going to stick with you when you leave. So culture needs to fit the employees. Otherwise, it's just a bad fit. You know, when I used to work for a bank, the org chart was so complicated because it was a it was a French bank, and I was working for a prop trading team, and I had a boss. So let's say I worked for prop trading team in uh, Tokyo. So I had a local boss who was the head of my team, and then there was a head of trading for Tokyo. But then 
we were a global team. So then we also had a guy in Paris who was the global head of high frequency trading. And then there was the global head of trading. <laughs> then it was like, you have four bosses that you really are, are truly your boss that you have to report to. So it was quite complicated here with this. Uh, we, it's very flat and we don't even have titles. Like Ari and I don't even call ourselves the CEO. Like we don't call anyone any C-level position. We just say, you're in charge of hiring. I'm in charge of, you know, the, the coding. You're in charge of tasks. Um, maybe that That's will change over time, but we, we don't have any titles in our company. So it's hard for me to see how the culture of the bank you worked for is actually a valuable culture. But, you know, I, I, I don't want to admit yet that there are right and wrong cultures. I want to believe that um, there, there's probably some toxic behavior that is exist that exists in every culture. I would argue gossip is an example of that. Gossip is a toxic, toxic behavior. Um, one way you prevent gossip is with transparency. Um, so one might argue that transparency is a good cultural uh, value to have. But you know who had a great culture decades ago? And their company's coming back. I'm going to read you a, a quote. This is, let me see if I can find this. This is a quote that um, I think is the foundation. I would argue that this is as close as I can come to right now for the why behind prop fuel. So this is a guy back in 19, um, late 60s, early 70s. And he says, one thing I did not want to change even if we got serious, work had to be enjoyable on a daily basis. We all had to come to work on the balls of our feet and go up the stairs two at a time. Now, this guy also wrote a book called Let My People Go Surfing. Do you know who I'm talking about yet? Let My People Go Surfing? No. Yeah. Who is that? It's Yvonne Genot, Patagonia. So Yvonne Genot, one of my heroes, um, simply because of the culture that he built at a time when I don't think culture was acknowledged as a valuable tool um, for driving company wealth. But this is a guy that during the day, if, he, if people wanted to go surfing during the day, hence the title of the book, or go rock climbing during the day, you take the time off. Now, the expectation, the culture was, yeah, you're going to get your work done. You're going to come back after you maybe work until eight or nine at night, but you're going to get your work done. But when the waves are up, I'm not, work is not going to keep you from enjoying life, but we have to be serious about work nonetheless. You know, we don't track our time or have set hours or anything. You know, Ari's got four kids, so he works different times than me. I like to travel, so I've been doing a lot of traveling, working from a laptop. And thank God it's worked so far. But um, I know we, we should talk after this. And I, I would love to pick your brain more about culture and, uh, you know, have you like give you a sneak peek more into how we're doing things and get your opinion and maybe do a bit of consulting with you? Sure. By all means. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's sincerely become a passion of mine. It's, it's, uh, which actually is where the company came from. So when I left peach or so I sold it, worked for the company that acquired us for a period of time. And then I left, I, I took a little bit of time off and what was going through my head over and over and over again were different kinds of businesses and none of them sat right with me. I wanted to do something because I, I feel like a, almost like a chicken running around my head cut off. I'm busy. And you, you know, this is what I know you and Ari have this whole soapbox around people being busy. And Nick, I fell right into that busy. 
but I don't know what the hell I'm doing every day. I'm so busy doing God knows what. So I was dying to have this purpose again. By the way, I've got three kids, a wife, two dogs, and we're, we're adding onto our house right now. So there's, there's, some, there's some of the busyness right there. But I'm, what I was lacking was this sense of purpose again. And so I came up with a number of ideas that I wanted to pursue. Any of one of them would have been great and fun to pursue. But the one that really got my passion is this one that's centered around culture. So I picture prop fuel almost as like the magic pill for starting a great culture. Culture is not only about recognition, but it's a big element of it. And it's the first element that we're tackling with small businesses. It's funny. We were talking with Cameron Harold, uh, you know, the CEO yeah. Alliance guy. He just wrote a book called Meeting Suck. Meeting and we were suck. asking him, what's the one secret that you could uh, tell us for us to grow this into a $100 million plus company? And he just said culture. Yeah. Yeah. He's done some amazing things. What's really interesting about him is he's got some, he had some big hurdles. He's, he's a, I don't know if he's medically diagnosed, but he, I, I spoke with him a while back and he told me he was um, bipolar. He's uh, ADD. And uh, oftentimes it's people with uh, ailments like this that end up being the greatest CEOs and the founders of, of fantastic organizations for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely have some undiagnosed shit. I'm just scared to get diagnosed with it. You know? <laughs> oh, so you know what? So I just, so I have a podcast as well. If I could, let me plug that. It's called Entrepreneurs Organization Virtual Learning. So I interviewed Cameron Harold and, and I interviewed this other guy named uh, uh, Dan Dapani. Dan Dapani is Tibetan. In fact, he knows you guys. So Dan Dapani is this Hindu monk. He was a, a monk for a period of time. Now he's just a Hindu priest, I guess. But when I asked him about why it is that entrepreneurs with AD or entrepreneurs have ADD more than, than other uh, professions, he's like, because you don't practice. Because you don't practice focus. And so he has this mentality that, yes, ADD is a medical condition for some people, but way too many entrepreneurs just use it as an excuse. And I think I fall in that category where I've practiced over and over, just jumping around from this thing to that thing. I actually have not practiced focus. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's, that's a little side note for you that I think is kind of interesting about our ailments that we're dealing with. I thought I had ADD and I actually went on Adderall for a year. And it turned out I didn't have it, <laughs> but, um, how'd you man, feel on Adderall, man? It was one of the most addictive things I've ever done. It was so hard to get off of that. Is it like a cup of coffee? Is it like something that just like all of a sudden you're like, let's do this. It, it's like beyond. Cause like all of a sudden, like, it's like, you're just, you don't see anything on the sides. You're just like seeing what you're seeing. It's like you shut out everything else. So it's like, it's great if you want to like write a book or read or, you know, you have some real well-defined tasks. But then what I started finding was, because I was doing, I was doing a lot of math in, in the high frequency trading. And uh, contrary to maybe like what most people think, there's a lot of creativity involved with, with that math and thinking about new strategies and algorithms. And I, it was like suppressing my creative side, because it was just like blocking me. So like, I couldn't come up with necessarily like new, clever, innovative strategies but I could just like sit there and code for like 12 hours and not eat lunch and maybe not even get up to go to the bathroom. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, I'd be scared to try that stuff. I get addicted to five hour energy and, and, uh, and caffeine, which is something I used to never have. And then all of a sudden, um, I'm waking up at five in the morning to go for runs and it's so easy to have, like, I do a half of five hour energy or I used to, and it's so easy to get into this habit. It feels so good. And you go out and you start running really works, but it's so addictive. Yeah. I mean, what I've found is like, I'll get up, I'll work out, um, and have like a cup of coffee maybe one more during the day. And I don't need to work for 12 hours. Like that routine, I'll have like a window of a good six to eight hours where my brain is really sharp. And what I get done in that time period is more than if I were to have six cups of coffee and work for 15 hours, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even get as much done. Yeah, you call it peak time, don't you? I think yeah. Ari uh, and it, w- w- was it the two of you that came out with a peak time app? That was Ari. That was Ari. Ari did that. Yeah, I want to be respectful of your time, um, and we always like to ask people the final question of what are your top three pieces of advice to be more effective. Uh, top three pieces of advice to be more effective. I will actually give props to this one is in particular to Ari, which is how I met you, Nick. Um, Ari helped me become paper-free. Now, I can't say that I'm always paper-free, but it's, it's an aspiration to be paper-free. So, so for me, what was the word effectiveness, to become more effective? Yep. So for me, uh, there is an app I love. I use uh, Evernote religiously, mm-hmm. and that's helped me become paper-free. That's the first thing. Second thing has to do with more of a spiritual thing. This is uh, simply having a great attitude. It's, it's, it's being able to take your attitude and try to disperse the negative and focus on the positive. Because how effective are we when we're negative? Although I, I can say I run better when I'm angry. That's uh, maybe I'll, I'll t- the effect of this when I'm, when I'm running is get angry. But aside from that, I tend to perform better and work better when I'm feeling good. And when I feel good, it has to do with attitude. So Evernote, paper-free, attitude. And then the third thing to be most effective, and again, this is a very personal answer for me, is I need to run every single morning. I wake up, first thing I do is I put on my running shoes and I head out the door with my buddies, go for a run. And when I come back, I feel so alive and so ready to kick ass. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Dave. So where can people find out more info on you? So I'd love to talk to people about culture. If anybody wants to, again, be a part of this beta testing process we have going on PropFuel, it'll start in a couple months, Q1 of 2017. They can email me at dave at propfuel.com. That's probably the best way to reach me right now. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Dave. Yeah, Nick. Thanks for having me. Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week.